History History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Welcome to episode 40, The Liska Axe Murders. The first episode of the new year. Yeah, 2021. Yes. What up? New year, new me. New year, same. Same old podcast. Same me, too. <laughs> same you. Yeah, me, too. Yeah. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Uh, Not really. I have a, for those of you who don't know, I have like an Instagram photography page yeah like street photography stuff so i'm trying to post a picture every single day wow of the year so in 2022 we should see 365 photographs yes that's a lot Uh uh-huh it's a lot fun though yeah that is good for you uh for those of you that have like stress and anxiety highly recommend photography calming because it makes you a lot of times i have like i get pretty bad anxiety sometimes and it just your mind kind of wanders yeah all the different directions but whenever you go out and, like, take pictures, you have to focus on what's in front of you. Yeah, and they say that whenever you're having, like, an anxiety or a panic attack, is that what, that's what you're supposed to do is, like, pick five things that you can see in front of your face mm-hmm. and just, like, focus on those to bring you back into reality, kind of. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, hmm. it's very calming. You hmm. walk around with your camera and it makes you stop and look at everything instead of thinking about everything. See, I wish I had a hobby like that. You could have one. I got an extra camera. Boom. Oh, I'm not good. Well, not yet. <laughs> teach me yeah, teach, teach me the ways i don't know i don't have anything like that the like because I, I also suffer from all those things yeah, like those, but like super intricate coloring books though they have like a million little lines in them yeah especially the ones with like curse words yeah yeah that's the same thing it's like the same thing yeah. basically you have to but, focus on the thing okay so i was working what are those things called um mandal mandolin is that what they're called? I don't know. No, that's like an instrument. Yeah. But it's one of those real intricate puzzle oh, yeah. or um, coloring pieces. Mm-hmm. So I was working on them, and I got my 64 uh, pack of crayons, you know, the good box with the sharpener in the yeah, back. The rich kid box. Yeah, you know that you hit it big yep. with that sharpener. Mm-hmm. And Evie keeps trying to take them from me, and I'm like, <laughs> these are mine. Go get your own. I got you, like, 50 a, other packs. Get a job, kid. Right. So I, there's only 64 colors in there there's way more many lines like and then i started getting kind of panicky about what my next move was gonna be how do you color those with a crayon i feel like the lines are too small oh no too small you just have to be very you have to that's why you need the sharpener it has to be a very very sharp tip then you get one stroke and you (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) it's it's definitely artistic those coloring books. But, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't make any New Year's resolutions this year. I always tend to, and, like, I always pick, like, weight loss like everybody does. Because mm-hmm. me and Josh were watching the ball drop, and that was just weird. With because there. there was nobody there. And that one dude was hammered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andy Cohen guy. And then I was like, I love him, by he, the way. He was talking about doing acid after that. He's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, but so they had, you know, those spots of like sitting areas for people. And I was like, man, I wonder how much they charge people for those. Yeah. But then I guess they donated them to like the front line workers, oh, which cool. is very, that. very nice. Yeah. 
But it was just weird. And then, like, Josh was like, why is there all these Planet Fitness commercials? I mean, and I said, because January 1st, everybody starts trying to work out and, like, it's like the past, be like, better. Two, three years, they've, like, sponsored the whole uh-huh. thing. Like, they must make a fuck ton of money. Well, yeah, because they have those little clapper things, yeah. and it's all Planet Fitness. It's, like, it's all, the whole Times Square is, like, purple and yellow. Like, yeah. It's crazy. So that's usually my New Year's resolution. It hasn't worked out very well for me, like ever. So I'm gonna. I joined Noom, which is like a weight loss thing, mm. but I'm not gonna like tell anybody about it except for all the people that listen to this podcast right now. Yeah, except for all of you, you <laughs> but like, ones. but I just want to kind of. It goes more into the psychology of like why you eat the way that you eat and I think that's what I need more than like Weight Watchers or anything else those work for other people which is great but I need more of like to go in deeper into my mind with it because I know exactly what I need to do Mm. it's just harder to do it the mental stuff that goes into like dieting because they say like if you eat if you use a smaller plate when you eat dinner, mm-hmm. it makes you feel full because your plate's full. Yeah. And you eat a full plate. But if your plate's bigger, then you're going to eat it. It's well, and, and this is a little bit different than everything else I I know about, like, calorie counting and carb counting, is that they want you to, uh, to pick foods that are more high water, like they retain water, like huh. grapes or, like, stuff that's got – or that's – cased in water like tuna instead of doing oil do water because water expands and that's you know but it's no calories so there's i never thought about it that way that's what they say about um lettuce actually they say like lettuce will expand your stomach more than anything else really isn't that weird because like i was watching this espn thing for some reason about the like hot dog eating competition Mm -hmm. and they say before like leading up to that all they eat is like lettuce because it, they can just pack it in, uh-huh. and it doesn't like, take up a lot of space, so you like are super stuffed, and it, like expands your stomach. Really? But it, it just like washes it. It doesn't really like because it's just salad. And I feel like those people that can eat all that stuff are like the tiniest. It is weird. People. I think it's because yeah, they don't. I feel like in the off time they, they don't, don't eat. That's like the last thing they want to eat is like a that's hot like dog. their <laughs> that's their fi- like their yeah. lead up meal, their last supper. Right. They're like nope. I've had enough hot dogs for a year. See, I don't Five think minutes. I could not. I could not do that. I couldn't do ice cream. But give me a steak. We went out to eat last night with my dad to Texas Roadhouse, and I asked, I ordered a filet, which is, like, way more expensive. I meant to order a sirloin because I'm cheap. Mm-hmm. But she's like, yeah, we can cut it as big as you want. And I looked at dad, like, <laughs> should I just back my uh, my car up to here and we just take it home or hey, what? So, so anyway... That's all I got yeah. as far as for that lead-in. It is tough with, like, the resolution thing because it's, especially, like, during, I feel like it's hard whenever you get something super aggressive like that, like the weight loss thing. Everybody mm-hmm. says that, but then, like, by February, it's like. Or, like, the day, the next day, yeah. you're like, meh, I'm not really feeling this, you know? It's always funny going to the gym, like, because it's, like, I went last week. And it really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And then the first week of the year, it's like, you can't even, like, move in there. Yeah. And then, like, by February, it'll be back to normal. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it drops off. And yeah. think about all the gym memberships that they got for mm-hmm. for the sign-on yep. bonus mm-hmm. and all that stuff. They just, they just threw it away. But I get it. It's hard. It's really – I had that injury with my back and everything, and I've noticed that I'm very scared to mm-hmm. – because whenever I go into something, I go into it really hard, mm-hmm. and I almost burn myself out. Like, yeah. I was running every day, like, um, like at least – 
two, three miles, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't drinking enough water, and my muscles just seized up. Right. And I did that to myself, and I'm worried about kind of jumping back into that, but it'll all... I feel like once I get a better handle on it, it'll be mm-hmm. different, and it I won't be so obsessive. Yeah. And the one thing with Noom is that you have to... They tell you to weigh every day, which to me, I got... Like, whenever I was doing Weight Watchers and everything else, it became kind of like an obsessive thing. Like, mm-hmm. every time I'd eat something, I'd get on the scale. But this is supposed to, like, get you, a com- you know, comfortable with mm-hmm. this scale and know that your weight's going to fluctuate and it's okay. Right. And I think that that's really important, too, is not so much a weight, like, I have to be this number. Right. But just being... Comfortable. Yeah. That's what I've noticed, too. It's like, I do... Not really a lot of cardio, but a lot of, like, weight training. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, I could go to the gym for a month, and I look a lot better, but I gained weight. Yeah. So it's, like, yeah. it's not really... Right. I hardly ever... I don't think... I can't remember the last time I stepped on a scale. Right. And and none of this stuff is for vanity or anything else. I'm okay with what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> like, my my diabetes and right. everything like that. I just want to be healthy yeah. and not have to take insulin and all of those things. Yeah, so... So anyway, New Year, same old us. Same us. Same us. Get ready for it. <clears throat> so shall we get into some business? Yes. Okay. How many downloads we at? 18,323. Wow. Yeah. We seem to jump 1,000 in like a few days. I don't know what happened. We I don't had, either. We were at 17,000 like a couple days later we're at the number we're at now. Yeah. It's like, what? I like it. Yeah, it's wild. Thank you well, all just, for listening. Yeah, like we've talked about before, you know. Whenever and I think George posted it on the Instagram. Whenever we started this in April, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, we didn't think that this this thank you COVID because yeah, no this kind of happened because we didn't have anything else to do really, and we've been talking about this for forever. Oh yeah, and it just so happened that you know they COVID shut everything down, and this was a good opening for us, mm-hmm. a creative outlet, if you will. Yep. Um, and some a chance for us to spend time together, which we always like to do. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yep. All right. So why don't you talk about our Patreon and our website? So our website is mysterystreetpodcast.com. You can get all the episodes there, all of our merch. We have shirts, hoodies, blankets, anything you can think of, really, phone cases. And we also have a link to our Patreon, which... Um, the link, or if you just want to type it into a browser, it's or patreon.com slash podcast. But we have two tiers. Uh, the first tier will get you next week's episode right now. Mm-hmm. Listen to it now. Uh, gets you everything a week in advance. Um, and then you also get a 10% discount code to the store, which we talked about. Right. Not and later. Now. Right now. Now. Boom, now. Uh, <laughs> tier two is all of that, except for the uh, discount code is for 20%. Big ball one. Hustle. And then we also get a bonus episode every single Friday. I'm a hustler, baby. Yeah. You know that song? Yeah, what is that from? I don't it's know. from a movie, I think. I want you to know. Yeah. Who sings it? I don't know. Somebody. Somebody comment and let us know who yeah. it is. Because <laughs> you're probably screaming at us yeah. like, oh. You know, it's funny because I go back and listen to all of our episodes just mm-hmm. to make sure that they came out okay and there wasn't anything right. catastrophic. But there was one time when we did that, and it was about an actress, and I was like, I can't think of who it is. And I'm getting ready in the bathroom in the morning, like, you dumbass. Yeah. This is it. And I'm talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> but it's sometimes it happens. happens sometimes. Yeah. Just like Jeopardy. 
or something. I mean, I'm not smart enough to go on Jeopardy, but like how you think, oh, you dumbass, whenever you miss a question mm-hmm. on a trivia game show, think of how much pressure that is. Yeah. And we don't have anybody looking at us except for your dog. <laughs> yeah, she's a little judgy, though. She is judgy. Judgy eyes. <laughs> okay, so good news. We got two new five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. We got one from Tatula567 who says, awesome job. Oops, I messed it up. Awesome show. <laughs> Great job. Even better. More words. Yes. <laughs> this podcast has made me actually laugh out loud. It's like hanging out with a couple of friends and listening in on a crazy conversation. Love it. Even when covering some of the most horrendous monsters, M- Mystery History Podcast knows just what to insert, uh, when to insert a bit of humor when still maintaining a level of respect for the victims and family. Great job, you two, and I absolutely love the banter. You're going to love this episode. You're going to love it. Already. <laughs> yeah, we're 12 minutes in, and we haven't yeah. talked about anything regarding, whoops, what we were going to do. So, the next one. Uh, so, thank you, Tatula. Yeah, thank you very much. I like that name, too. Tatula. Um, the next one is from L.A. Phillips, who said, True Crime Till I Die which is one of our shirts that you can purchase now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, you guys are so freaking funny. I love the way y'all tell them. I immerse myself in way too much true crime, and you're right. If we didn't laugh, we would cry. Keep it coming. You guys make my Mondays a little more bearable. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And yeah, those, uh, those definitely mean a lot to us, those reviews. They, they really do, because you get some haters, and haters going to hate, mm-hmm. and potatoes going to potate. Yeah, that's what they say. But... <laughs> <laughs> but we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing, and mm-hmm. and we appreciate all the love that you guys give us. Yep. So if you haven't, head over to that purple icon on your iPhone. Leave us a review. Do it. Do it. We're at 78 Yeah. right now, uh, reviews. Yeah. And yeah, it really makes our day reading those. So. And we were at 5.0 for like a minute. Yeah. And then some stupid person gave us a three star. Jackass. Jackass. Every yeah. time I hear that word, I think of Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Jackass. Um, so yeah, we would love to be back at 5.0, but we know that that might not happen and that's okay. Cause 4.5 is very respectable. Oh, it'll happen. And we're respectable people. Right? Yeah, I get Okay. <laughs> so shall we? Yes, we shall. Okay, we haven't done true crime in a minute. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've covered a lot of other craziness, but we back. We back to true crime, baby. We back to the murders. So um, <laughs> here we go. Okay, so let's set the scene. Set it up. Villisca, Iowa, June eleventh, nineteen twelve. Very good. Mary Peckman, the next door neighbors to the Moore family house, found it odd that no one in the family of six had come out to start their morning chores around seven a.m. Peckman knocks on the door uh, to the Moores and tried to open the door, but it was locked. Mary decided to call Ross, the brother to Joe Moore, who was the father, and asked him to come over to make sure everything was okay. Ross came over and unlocked the door to the house. He walked in, went to the guest bedroom, and found two girls' bodies on the bed, dead. He, he ran back out of the house and told Mary to call Hank Horton, Velisca's marshal. Hank Hor- he, they told him to come quick. Come understandably. quick. Because there's two dead people. Two bodies. Not good. Into bed. So the previous day, the Moore family, who consisted of mother and father, uh, Joe, who was 43, and Sarah, who was 39, and their four children, Herman, who was 11, Mary, she goes by, like, Mary Catherine, so in some, they call her Catherine, but I'm calling her Mary. She's 10, uh, Arthur is 7, and Paul is 5. 
Um, They were going to go to the Presbyterian Church to the Children's Day program that they had there. Mary had invited two of her friends, Ina, who was eight, and Lena, who were 12, cutest names ever, mm-hmm. uh, and invited them to go with them to the children's program. The family stayed at the church until around 9.30 p.m., and they arrived back at the Moore house around like 9.45, 10 o'clock, with uh, Ina and Lena spending the night with the Moors. Shortly after midnight of June 10th, a stranger carrying an axe let himself into the Moore house. During this time <laughs> in this part of Iowa, homeowners rarely locked their doors. This settlement had less than 2,000, and everyone knew everyone. The stranger took an oil lamp from a dresser, turned it down to the lowest setting, and walked up the stairs to the bedrooms above. He went to the parents' bedroom first, where Joe and Sarah were sleeping, raised the axe so high above his head that he hit the ceiling, and brought the sharp end of the blade down on the back of Joe Moore's head, crushing his skull and killing him instantly. He then struck Sarah in the head before she had time to wake up. That's got to be really fast. No kidding. So you're going to hit the wall... And that's going to make a sound. Mm-hmm. And then if you crush somebody's skull, that's got to make a sound. Would have to move the bed. Yeah. You'd have to feel that because that's. Ooh, yeah. I and I would imagine she woke up. And he just got and, to her yeah. before she was. Before she realized. She, what was yeah, because I'm sure you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's probably dark. Yeah, you don't know what's happening. The killer then went uh, next door where Herman, Mary, Boyd, and Paul slept and killed all of them before they were able to wake up. Which again. Is kind of that fishy. Is weird, yeah. Because I'm sure there'd be even if it was like a large, like a big gasp or something. Like, well, I feel like even just hearing, I feel like you could hear that from the next room. If you're, yeah, kids, like, like hitting wood, basically, right. like it'd be so loud. Um, he walked down the stairs to the guest bedroom where Ina and Lena were sleeping and murdered them as well. The axe man went back upstairs and beat the heads in of all six more family members. He struck Joe an estimate of 30 times and left everyone's faces unrecognizable. He then placed clothes over Joe and Sarah, placed a gauze shirt, undershirt over Herman's face, a dress over Mary's, and covered Boyd and Paul as well. Oof. 30 times. That's insane. Yeah, that's not just like a murder. No, That's like aggravated. Yeah. He then went back downstairs, bashed Lena and Ina's head in, and covered them with clothes as well. Ina? Is Ina? Ina. Ina. Um, he, then he went through the house and hung a cloth over every mirror and piece of glass in the house. He took a two-pound slab of uncooked bacon, wrapped it in a towel, and left it on the floor of the downstairs bedroom. He stayed in the house for a long time, even filling a bowl of water and washing his bloody hands in it. Sometime after 5 a.m., he left the lamp at the top of the stairs, locked all the doors of the house, took the keys with him, and vanished. That's crazy. That's weird. That is so strange. The bacon. The bacon and the mirrors. He probably, like somebody's watching them. I wonder if he set it out to like take it with him and then just forgot it. Maybe. That's the only thing that makes sense. That well, makes why would you sense. put it in the floor of a bedroom? You like well, you and you'd have to walk Oh, downstairs. Okay, I was going to say, if it was upstairs... That wouldn't make sense. But, yeah, maybe he just, like... Set it there and forgot. Yeah. That's yeah, that's weird. For some reason, that's unsettling. Yeah. To just leaving something. It's like, weird. why? Exactly. Um, Hank Holton uh, calls Dr. J. Clark Cooper and Edgar Howe, along with uh, Wesley Ewing. Ewing? Ew. Ewing, I think. Ew. 
<laughs> Ewing, <laughs> who's the minister of the Presbyterian congregation. Then the county coroner, L.A. linguist, and third doctor, F.S. Williams, came to the house. So there These was all a, sound very <laughs> old names. Yeah, so basically there was a buttload of people that came. At this time, the crowd outside of the house was growing, and Dr. Williams cautioned people from going in, saying, don't go in there, boys. You'll regret it until the last day of your life. Yeah, he's probably right. Yeah. Many ignored the warning, and as many as 100 curious neighbors and townspeople walked through the house, scattering fingerprints. One person even removed fragments of Joe's Moore skull to keep it as a keepsake. Okay. Arrest that person. Exactly. First of all. Tampering. And then... It's crazy behavior. Well, you got all these doctors and everything like that. Do you, so you got people. Yeah, but this... They don't have, like, forensics back then. Still, though, I mean, does that not sound like a bad idea? Yeah, 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 it is. And then taking a part of some guy's skull? That is insane. That person should be in a cage. I mean, (laughs) so let me tell you. We've talked about museums. And it's probably in a museum somewhere. Uh, no. And I'd go see it. That guy probably like hated or something <laughs> fucking weird. Now, would I remove it from bloody crime scene? No. I don't really know if I could do that. No. I'd be like, I, I puked think... on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> puked on his open head. Right. Like, I mean, it's one thing to talk about it and see pictures of it, but it would be a whole other I can't thing. Even look at pictures of that kind of shit. And for me, it's okay. like smell the smell. Like it's yeah. very much smell. Like doing frogs and stuff that formaldehyde stuff. Oh yeah. Like one of our customers at my work is the coroner's office, yeah. and I always joke that I want to go there and like because they just let you in. That like is weird. But I don't think I could do it. I don't yeah. know. No thanks. No. But yeah, for sure. Tackle that person and cuff them. Yeah. Don't. Don't take skulls. Don't. Don't do that. Nope. Rude. Holton tried to create a search party, but by that time, the killer could have um, escaped on any of the 30-plus trains coming and leaving the area. That's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, Bloodhounds tried without success, and many people tried to help the investigation. By sundown, there were no dogs left to be bought in Villisca at any price. Wow. So, I mean, at least (laughs) if you're going to be having a group effort of, like, walking through the crime scene, at least there was a group effort in trying to find this person, I guess. Because right now, if, like, you and I got murdered, nobody here is going to (laughs) care. I mean, maybe our our listeners. Yeah. But, I mean, we're not going to have a search party of our neighborhood. No, not 2,000 people that live around us. (laughs) And you can still buy dogs, I'm sure. Yeah, there'll be plenty of dogs left. (laughs) The doctors concluded that the murders took place between midnight and 5 a.m. There were two cigarette butts in the attic, which suggested that the killer or killers waited patiently in the attic until the Moore family returned and went to sleep. That kills me. crazy. So they said in the beginning, we said in the beginning, that he broke into the house because, Mm -hmm. or just walked in because nobody locked the door. Right. But it makes more sense that he hid, Mm -hmm. which now makes me want to check my attic every day. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, super compulsively like obsessive about checking everything yeah whenever i came in your house you made me lock the door yeah i'm not trying to get murdered dude you trying to get shot (laughs) not me that's just for the birds (laughs) Mm -mm. i guess i don't know i'm just not that way i'm I'm more like if i woke up and somebody's in my house they'd be dead because you're gonna strangle them i would yeah with those hands i would go ape shit i'd like tackle them through a wall like no problem do you have a gun case yeah I have a 12-gauge set in my closet, but I wouldn't even... In the case, though, right? Yeah, you just got to open the door. I have the key right next to my bed. Okay. If somebody's standing over you, you're not going to get to the key. Oh, no. Get to the gun case. 
I was just about to say, though, I probably wouldn't even go to the gun case. No, I think I'd grab I would something. Just, you have a baseball bat next to my bed, too. Do you? Holla at your boy. Like a little miniature one yeah, or like full-blown? Full Louisville slugger. You got a good grip on there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hitting dingers with that boy's head. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so Joe received more blows than any other victim, and his face had been cut so much, uh, both of his eyes were missing. Oh! Yikes. At least nobody stole those. People probably took them. They probably so, like, did. They were, I know I saw his eyes earlier. And Who's got the eyes? <laughs> Who's got them? <laughs> That's just awful. That is just disgusting. What did you do with the eye? Like, what did you do with the piece of coal? I mean, at least not... Go to jail with it because you're a fucking psycho. Well, I guess, I don't know. An eye, though, is, like, juicy. Like, you need to I'm put that sure shit a in a piece jar. piece of skull would be juicy. You can wash that off. An eyeball, though, is juicy forever. Until it dries juicy up. Fruit. I would assume. <laughs> Ew. Uh, he was... It, uh, he was also the only victim to have a blade used on him, while the other vi- victims were hit with a blunt end. That's interesting. <clears throat> you would think, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I don't want to get hit with any part of an axe. But I feel like the blunt end wouldn't kill you immediately. It just bashed your right head in. The head, the right spot. Yeah. You'd be like hitting, getting hit with a hammer. Right. Which, still, really don't sign me up for that. Him. Yeah. It'd probably kill you. I think about it. Well, I mean, it it's not like he just—it's not like he just did it one time. It probably no, take it, a couple on the times. First time though, he just hit everybody once and then went around, and then he came back and bit it, did it a bunch of times. I feel like it'd be—it would have been easier on him to use the sharp. I know end. that's what I mean. Like it seems like. So I don't weird. know why he wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and thirty blows. That's to, funny. He must have been tired. Yeah, I was gonna say, look for the guy tired. Yeah, because that's like a lot of work. I would assume. That's crazy. Anyway, investigators believe that all the victims were asleep except for Lena. She appeared to have woken up and tried to fight back and was found laying crossways on the bed. So everybody else was still appeared to be sleeping, but she was like, you know, hung, hung over it. Um, she had a defensive wound on her arm. Her nightgown was pushed up to her waist and she was not wearing any underwear that led law enforcement to believe that the killer or killers sexually molested her or tempted to. Ugh. May they rot in hell. Yes. And then that brings up another thing. Could there have been more than one? Because if you think about it, maybe one went into the parents' room and then one went into the kids' that room. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Because the know. fact that he would do that and then walk around and none of those kids woke up. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. No. And it's it's not like they were probably well-insulated, like, rooms where they're soundproof. Right. And they probably had both doors open. Mm-hmm. And the room, the, the rooms are very yeah, kind of like, small. And it's all, everything's wood in there. So yeah. So the sound would travel like crazy. Yep. It wouldn't be, like, muffled. Yeah. Okay. So over time, there are many uh, suspects that emerged. Um, here is a list of the possible suspects. Andrew Sawyer. He was a transient, which was really the only link of evidence they had, but the grand jury constantly attempted to pin the murder on him. According to Thomas Dyer of Burlington, Iowa, a bridge foreman and pile driver for the Burlington Railroad, S.A., or or Andy Sawyer, approached his crew in Creston at 6 a.m. on the morning the the murders were discovered. Sawyer was clean-shaven and wearing a brown suit when he arrived. His shoes were covered in mud, and his pants were wet nearly to the knees. He asked for employment, and as Dyer needed an extra man, he was given the job on the spot. Hmm. 
Dyer then testified that later that evening when the crew reached Fontenelle, Iowa, Sawyer purchased a newspaper and went off by himself to read it. The newspaper carried a front-page account of the Villisca murders, and according to Dyer, Sawyer was much interested in it, which that doesn't really mean anything because we're interested in it. Mm-hmm. Dyer's crew complained that Sawyer slept with his clothes on and was anxious to be by himself. They were also uneasy that Sawyer slept with an axe next to him. Now that, that's, that's weird. Uh, he often talked of, of the Velisca murders and whether or not a killer had been op- apprehended. Hmm. Yeah, that's the axe thing. Yeah, it's like sleeping with a, with a bat next to your bed. Who yeah, that? you weirdo. <laughs> but I don't. they didn't have the axe, though. They didn't have the murder weapon. No, that is weird. So, Do you think it would be all bloody? Like even, I feel like the blood would stain it. I don't know. Just like your stained underwear. Oh, my God. Jordy went swimming in his underwear in a chlorine pool. Yeah, they're like... And they were gray, and now they're like burgundy. Yeah, it's weird. He's not wearing them. (laughs) They're just... (laughs) He's recording this one. (laughs) They're on his futon. I don't know why, but... Just didn't make it to the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Now everybody knows. That's funny. Um, He reportedly told Dyer that he had been in Villisca that Sunday night and had heard of the murders. Afraid of being taken as a suspect, he uh, had left and gone to Creston. Thayer was suspicious and turned him over to the sheriff on June 18th, 1912. I think, though, okay, so the axe is a little suspicious. However, I think sometimes the transient people, it's just easier to pin things on them. Mm -hmm. Because they're not close to anybody. Yeah. They don't have uh, alibis. Dyer later testified that prior to the sheriff's arrival, he walked up behind Sawyer. He was rubbing his head with both of his hands and suddenly pumped up and said to himself, I will cut your goddamn heads off. Okay. We're getting a little more. At the same time, he made striking motions with the axe and began hitting the piles in front of him. Hmm. Hmm. He's been in some kind of jail. Just for suspicious a little. Andy, come on. Dyer's son, J.R., testified that one day, as the crew drove through Villisca, Sawyer told him that he would show J.R. where the man who killed the Moore family got out of town. Mm. He said that the man that did the job jumped over a manure box, which he pointed out about one and a half blocks away, and then showed where he crossed the tracks. J.R. said there were footprints in the soggy ground north of the embankment. Sawyer told J.R. to look on the other side of the car, where he would show him an old tree where the murderer stepped into a creek. According to J.R. Dyer, he looked over and saw such a tree uh, south of the track about four blocks away. Hmm. I mean, we're not in the land of the internets, so it's not like he could be Googling this stuff. But he stuff. might have just been making shit up, too. There's a lot of people that just make stuff up to be, like... Connected to yeah, it at some point? Yeah. yeah, I get that. Sawyer was dismissed as a suspect in the case when officials learned that he could prove he had not been in... Oh, that to prove he had been in Osalay, Iowa, on the night of the murders, he'd been arrested for vagrancy there in the Osella. I said it different. <laughs> what is it? Osella. Oskella. Yeah, sheriff recalled putting him on a train to send him away at approximately 11 p.m. that evening. Man, that's the luckiest arrest ever. But, but then it said that they sent him away at 11 p.m. that evening. So it means. He means the night mm-hmm. after the murder happened, right? I think so. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. That is a lucky arrest. That is so lucky. So the next one, Reverend George Kelly. Mm-hmm. Oh, a plot twist. 
Kelly was an English-born traveling minister in the town uh, on the night the murders took place. Kelly was described as a peculiar, reportedly, or reported as peculiar. Mm. Peculiar. Peculiar. (laughs) (laughs) Reportedly having uh, suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent. As an adult, he was accused of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. Oh, Reverend. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. What you doing? Yeah, like, on June 8th, 1912, he came to Villisca to teach at the Children's Day Services, which the Moore family attended on June 9th, 1912. He left town between 5 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. on June 10th, 1912, hours before the bodies were discovered. Reverend Kelly had confessed to the murders in court, but the jury did not believe his confession. Why? I don't know. Okay. In the weeks that followed, he displayed a fascination with the case and wrote many letters to the police, investigators, and the family of the deceased. That's wrong. To write letters to the family member of the deceased. Anyway. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. This aroused suspicion, and a private investigator wrote back to Reverend Kelly asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. Kelly replied with great detail, complaining or claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the murders. His known mental illness made authorities question whether he knew the details because of having committed the murders or was imagining his account. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like that depends on how crazy he was. Because if he's just like saying crazy shit all the time, then it'd be like, oh, okay. But if he left at five thirty in the morning, the day or that morning, yeah, the it's, murders it's, it's, were committed, and he knew stuff about the murders. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're in the internet world. Right. He can't Google this stuff. He was either there or he wasn't there. My money's on the reverend. Mm-hmm. Always. That's weird that they didn't believe his confession. Yeah, like just everybody knew he was like batshit crazy. To be like, he's saying like aliens did it, like right, just wild shit. Well, then why is he still a reverend? Yeah, that's the weird part too. He's getting hired. To be, yeah, I feel yeah. like if you're fucking nuts, don't be a reverend, mm-hmm. or don't hire a reverend that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, but that's just here's me. the cherry on the the, the what is what's this phrase? The cherry on the cake? Oh uh, no, on the, the cherry Sunday, on the top. <laughs> <laughs> in 1914, two years after the murders, Kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. He was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as his secretary. He was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the National Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C. Investigators speculated again that Kelly could be the murderer of the Moore family. In 1917, Kelly was arrested for the Velisca murders. Police obtained a confession from him. However, it followed many hours of interrogation, and Kelly later recanted. Like you do. Yeah. After two separate trials, he was acquitted. That's he's, crazy. He's the killer, man. Yeah. We solved the case. <laughs> Boom. <bang. laughs> Done. Okay, the next one is Frank F. Jones. Frank Fernando Jones was a Villisca resident and an Iowa state senator. Ooh, big names up in her. <laughs> Josiah Moore had worked for Frank Jones at his implement store for many years before leaving to open his own store. Moore reportedly took business away from Jones, mm. Mm. including a very successful John Deere dealership. That's Ooh. 1912 John Deere dealerships. Yeah. They've been around for a minute. How old is John Deere? Like the person. I'll say at least 1912. <laughs> Moore was rumored to have had a sexual affair with Jones' daughter-in-law, mm. though no evidence supports this. So he's just jelly. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Innocent. <laughs> William Mansfield. 
Another theory was that Senator Jones hired William Blackie Mansfield. That would not fly mm, today. No, nope. tell you that. That's a 1912 term. So uh, it was a theory that he murdered or he hired this man to murder the Moore family. It is believed that Mansfield was a serial killer because before or because he murdered his wife, infant, child, and parent and parents in law with an axe two years after the Velisca crimes. Hmm. Okay. Similar weapon, similar crime. I'm seeing a connection. <laughs> Uh, he is believed to have committed the axe murders in Pala, Kansas, four days before the Velisca crimes. He was also suspected in the double homicide of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Illinois. Each crime site was accessible by train, and all murders were carry out, carried out in virtually the same manner. Mm. Mansfield was released after a special grand jury of Montgomery County refused to indict him on grounds that his alibi actually checked out. Hmm. hmm. Nine months before the murders at Villisca, similar case of axe murder occurred in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado. Two axe murder cases followed in Ellsworth, Kansas and Paola, Kansas. The cases were similar enough to raise the possibility of having been committed by the same person. Other murders reportedly uh, reported as possibly being linked to those crimes, including the numerous unsolved axe murders along the Southern Pacific Railroad from 1911 to 1912. So it was just some dude riding a train. The unsolved axe man of New Orleans killings, as well as several other such murders during this time period, happened. That's crazy. You just hop on a train and just, like, disappear. Yeah. He just gone. Gone. No way to find you. That is crazy. The murders in Colorado Springs were closely related in execution to those in the Moore house. Nine months before the Velisca murders, H.C. Wayne, his wife and child, and Miss A.J. Burnham were found dead in Colorado Springs, murdered with an axe. The Colorado Springs police found it difficult to believe that the same person could be could perpetrate a similar crime in a city. As in the Velisca murders, bedsheets were used to cover the windows to prevent a passerby from looking in. At the Moore house, the murderer hung aprons and skirts to cover the windows. As in the murders in Velisca, the murderer in Colorado Springs wiped the blood off his axe and covered the heads of his victims with bedcloths. That is very weird. That is strange. That they were, he both... Would cover the heads. I think it has to be the same person. It has to be. Mm-hmm. The Reverend. I made up my mind. No, this is a different guy. I know. Oh, you think it's the what, Reverend? Yeah. I think it's this guy. Nope. You're wrong. <clears throat> Mansfield was also the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City and Detective James Newton Wilkerson, who suggested that he was a cocaine-addicted serial killer. I didn't know they had cocaine in 1912. I didn't either, actually. Huh. According to contemporary news reports, Wilkerson believed Mansfield was responsible for the axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law in in Blue Island, Illinois, on July 5, 1914, which is two years after the Velisca murders. The axe murders committed in Paola, Kansas, four days before the Velisca murders and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Illinois. Hmm. Hmm. According to Wilkerson's investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating that the same man probably committed them. See? Like I said. The same man, yeah. The reverend. No. Wilkerson <laughs> stated that he could no. prove that Mansfield was present in each of the following or each of the differing crime scenes on the night of the murders. In each murder, the victims were hacked to death with an axe and the mirrors in the homes were covered. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed 
and a basin in which the murderer washed out uh, was found in the kitchen. In each case, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves, which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man was in or the, the man was Mansfield, who uh, who knew his fingerprints were on file at the Federal Military Prison at Leavenworth. That's crazy. They could dust for fingerprints in 1912. Where's CSI 1912 at? Where's he? <laughs> That'll be next. That's next week. <laughs> Riding around on horses. <laughs> Mash, are you? So why do you have to wash his hands if he was wearing gloves? They get sweaty. <laughs> or maybe he had to wash his gloves. Maybe. Hmm. But even if he was on file at Leavenworth... The system on file. On file. <laughs> the systems are connected. You know what I mean? No, but it's like a mil- federal government data. Well, they didn't have database. Database. <laughs> Did they just? They I mean, I don't know. they probably could have connected it. I feel like that wouldn't have happened. I don't know. But that's just me. Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916, and Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. Payroll records, however, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the Velisca murders. What'd I say? What'd I say? He was released for a lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded 2225 bucks, hmm. which is probably a lot back then. Yeah. Wilkerson believed that the pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also in the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. Because he's the killer. Mm, Debatable. (laughs) The next one is Henry Lee Moore, who was in no relation to the family. Henry Lee Moore was a suspected serial killer who was not related to the Slanmore family. He was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca. His weapon of choice was an axe. I mean, how many other weapons are there in 1912, though? Yeah, it's a gun, knife, axe. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more axes around, too, because, like, I'm farming, and you had to, like, cut your own wood down for fire. Yeah, and it's not like a chainsaw was a thing yeah. in 1912, right? Unless yeah. it was a two-man job. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Like they... a two-man chainsaw. It's fuck. Like... <laughs> you know? No, that's just a saw. You know how they get on each side, yeah. and they saw down the trees? Yeah, that would be a saw. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh... Before and after the murders in Villisca, there were similar axe murders on his mother and grandmother were committed, and all the cases showed striking similarities, leading to strong suspicion that some or all of the crimes were committed by an axe-murdering serial killer. And just like Blackie Mansfield, the axe-murdering Henry Moore can also be considered as a suspect in some slayings. Hmm. So basically they're saying they don't know who did any of these. (laughs) That's the synopsis. (laughs) Yeah. If you murdered somebody in 1912 with an axe, you probably got away with it. Right. That's what's happening. What a time to be alive. Jesus. If there's a train and an axe within a mile of you, don't live there. No. You could, get, you could be murdered. <laughs> or you could be the murderer. True. Next one is Sam Moyer. At the inquest, it was reported that Sam Moyer, who was Josiah's <clears throat> brother-in-law, often threatened to kill Josiah Moore. <laughs> However, upon further investigation, Moyer's alibi cleared him of the crime. If I if I got arrested every time I told somebody I was going to kill them, I'd never see the light of day. You'd be super locked up. I tell people all the time, I will kill you. I'll tell people I'm going to stab them. Yeah, that's not legal either. It's really, I mean, I guess, unless, unless you get caught. Stabbing doesn't necessarily mean killing. No, but it's definitely not legal. <laughs> I'll say that. True, true, true. That's a fact. Yeah. That's assault. 
Brother. Brother? <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> from Drake and Josh. That's Assault Brother. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We're... That's from freaking Adam Sandler. No, it. Oh, yeah. I forget what movie, but it's Adam Sandler. I think it's uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, mate. Or uh, Happy Gilmore. One of the two. Yeah. So the next one is Paul Mueller. In 2017, <laughs> in their 2017 book, The Man from the Train. <laughs> Good name for a title. Yeah, because that's all they know. <laughs> men and Trains and Axes. It's like plane trains and automobiles, but axes, murders, and, <laughs> <laughs> and covered heads. Yeah. Bill James and his daughter, Rachel McCarthy James, discussed the Velisca murders as part of a much larger series of murders in which they believe were all committed by a single serial killer. Hmm. They conclude that the murder was Paul Mueller, or Miller, uh, some say. That's different. That is different. Difficult. Yeah. Uh, an immigrant possibly from Germany. <laughs> if he's from Germany, his name's Mueller. If he's not, it's Miller. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who was uh, the subject of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole su- suspect in the 19, or 1897 murder of a family in West Brookfield, Massachusetts, who had employed him as a farmhand. Huh. Hmm. James started his research in an attempt to solve the Velisca murders, with, and with his daughter found archival newspaper stories detailing dozens of families murdered under similar circumstances across the U.S. The Jameses thus believe that Mueller was guilty of the Velisca murders as a part of the killing spree that lasted over a decade killing at least 59 people in 14 separate incidents, wow. including the Colorado Springs and Paula crimes. The Jameses identify common features of these crimes, many of which are also found at the Velisca scene. Hmm. Let's talk about those similarities. <laughs> the killer selected families who lived near railroad tracks, hence the book's title. Dun-dun-dun! Mm. To the point. Seemingly struck in ambush at about midnight while the victims were asleep, used the blunt side of an axe rather than the blade to strike the victim in the head and face, Um, used an axe found at the victim's home, and left it in plain sight after the murders. So there it is. It's not. It was there. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I feel like an axe isn't hard to come by. I feel like that by itself is enough to, like, link the murders, that they aren't using the sharp side. Because I feel like anybody in the world would use the the Yeah, if you want to kill somebody, you're going to use the sharp end. It's weird that... I don't think two different people would use the blunt side. No. Unless they, like, I don't know, got too crazy and was swinging it around and it yeah, got, I don't, I don't know. know. That's weird. I don't know how axes, like, work. They're pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you could it could spin around. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how axes work. Clearly, uh, you already. I've never killed anybody <laughs> with one is what I meant. Anyway, um... They, okay, so they covered the victims with blankets to prevent blood splatter, covered windows from inside the house, and locked the doors before departure. Oh, so they, he covered them up before he murdered them? No, I don't, I, that's not what That's not was, what it said, but that makes sense. Yeah. That it says they prevent blood splatter? That yeah, but if you sense. throw something over top of somebody. Not if you just lay it. I mean, if somebody covered you with a blanket. That when I was sleeping? Yeah. I don't know. Over your face. Mm, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. I don't know. Then anybody can just come in here and rob you is what you're you saying. on the end of the blade. That's why you use the blunt side. You put it on the axe, then swung it down. Oh. And it just captured all the blood. I don't know how axes work. <laughs> but it sounds like that could happen. That makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah, for the blood splatter, yeah. but I don't think that's how that happened in Velisca. Maybe. 
Because um, if somebody... Okay, so take you back to the person who stole a piece of his skull. Mm. So they lifted up the blanket. Yeah. Stole the skull. Yeah. Ew. That was probably the first what a murderer. Sick, sick person. Uh, covered the windows from the inside and locked the doors before departure because he'd hate for them to be robbed. And Mueller sus- <laughs> suspected crime. What a shame that would be. Uh, there was often but not always a sexual motive directed towards a pubescent girl, as with Lena being partly disrobed. Huh. Yep. In a blurb uh, on the dust jacket of the hardcover edition of The Man from the Train, Professor and crime writer Harold Sh- Shitter. <laughs> Harold, I was going to say Schfinkter. Harold Schechter uh, writes that James offered the most probable solution yet for the Velisca murders. Hmm. I would say that's true. Number one, I really like the word blurb. Mm. And number two, do you know what a dust jacket is? Yeah, it's a little cover. <laughs> okay. I know about stuff. You do. Okay. I never touched one. Never touched one. No, I read about Mm-mm. them. So current day, Ghost Adventures have been here, P.S. Mm. We talk about Ghost Adventures every episode. <laughs> the Axe Murder House has been renovated by owner Martha Lynn, who bought the house in 1994. She actually, re- so there were other people living in that house beforehand that had updated it. Okay, so she bought it, and then she restored it back to the 1912 version of the house. So that means they took out the plumbing, all the fun stuff. That sounds like a lot of money. That we live in today. That sounds expensive. Yeah. So you can visit the museum, which costs $10 for an adult and 5 for a child. Or Why don't you take a child there? Like, this is where she got brutally murdered, <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> That's so strange. Uh, or you could stay the night there if you want for four hundred dollars. Fuck. That's a lot. But if you get like several people, that seems fucked up. That this girl's for, making money off of murdered people. That's all that. That's that's how we do things. That what what is this podcast? Yeah. We're not making money. Would be nice if we did one day. But but that's different. Why? Four hundred dollars is a. Fuck load. Just but it's to for sleep like, where someone got murdered? That's weird. No, it's a paranormal investigation. I like it. <laughs> like it. Well, it's happening. No. We should do this. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Settled. <laughs> the first period. Like, we just reverted back to our kid selves. What? Let's do this. No. <laughs> I wanna. Uh, we're going to do it. The first paranormal investigators visited the house in 1999, and they declared that it was haunted. Oh. So, you know. So they it has to be. They must be right. <laughs> they just declared? Yeah. You can go anywhere. This is haunted. Right. Oh, shit. I didn't know. I'm going to charge people $400 yeah. to stay here and investigate. Wow. In 2014, Robert Larson, who is 37, was visiting the Axe Murder House doing an investigation with a group of friends. So, he's one of those bitches that paid $400. Mm-hmm. He was in the northwest bedroom while everyone else was outside and started calling on the two-way radios saying he needed help. They ran up to find him stabbed in the chest by a self-inflicted wound. Cray. He was then helicoptered to Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha. I didn't mean it when I said he was a bitch. You did. You got stabbed. <laughs> He's alive, so it's fine. Now you're listening. Yeah, Michael. Robert. Lorson, 37. He messed up his name 
So how old is he now? 2014? Let's see it. Let's do the math. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So he's six years older. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, but I thought you were going to say how old he was, not that you were counting to six. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What's 37 plus six? Come Quick. On. Quick. You tell me. I know it. I know you don't know it. 43. Yes, very good. Damn. That took a long time to get there. It would have been easier if you just would have done it. Just so all you people know, she does payroll for a living. I do. She handles people's finances. And it's fine. Everybody's happy. Mm. (laughs) Look, hey, Allison, we seem to have $20,000 left on the books. What happened? (laughs) Oops. I'm about to carry it away. (laughs) Look, I do really good with money, but... Adding and subtracting and stuff like on the fly, I get very much anxiety. So stop asking me questions. <laughs> you literally just count with your fingers to six. Yep. You're correct. Yep. Sure did. Man. What? What? So he got stabbed. He stabbed himself. We're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about your math skills. <laughs> We're past so my stabbing. math skills is worse. That's more shocking than somebody stabbing <laughs> themselves. I'm more concerned about no. your math skills than no, no, this no, man no. gets stabbed. That'd be a lot to stab yourself. Yeah, that's crazy. Because I feel like you don't want to do that. No, it's and weird. And you'd be like, Argh. ugh. Hmm. No it wasn't him though. It was the ghost. That's yeah. why it's haunted. That's why they declared it. They yep. declared it. Mm. This guy. Let's do that. 2014 to 1999. How many years is that? Lots. How many? 15. Yeah. Ooh. No fingers involved. Rushed what up? It. Boom, boom, pow. So for uh, the sources for this, we went to smithsonianmag.com, wiki.com, and velliscaiowa.com. Mm. They got that velliscaiowa.com's got a bunch of stuff, uh, witness statements, victims, all kinds of just pages and pages of things that you can investigate. Hmm. So who so who you think who you think did this? I think the one with the book. What was his name again? Let me see. Paul Mueller. That seems the most likely because, like I said, the the way that they were all covered up and the way that he used the blunt end of the X for all those things in all those different places to be the exact same. Mm. That's pretty weird to me. I'm going to go with Reverend still. You're stuck on that. Yeah. George Kelly, why you do it? <laughs> why you do that, oh. So tell us who you think killed those people. That is so sad yes. that a whole family oh, yeah. got. And that it's sucks kids. for those two girls that were just like staying over. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let us know who you think did this, um, and we'll chat about it. Yeah. Talk, e- talk at us. Even though I think I'm right. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> and let us know if you would go spend $400 to freaking stay the night where people were murdered. Because we could go in halvesies. That's if we get still if we get four hundred people, no <laughs> <laughs> dollar a dollar ahead, or get four people at a hundred dollars. That's, that's reasonable. Much. Nope, that's like a hotel room with no plumbing and yeah, sounds great. stuff. And you ain't gonna sleep there. Then what? It, I'm spending four hundred dollars to walk in there and walk out. No, we need to get an EMF meter and all kinds of stuff. I need a camera, mm. camcorder. Cam Quarter of its fucking Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Only films in black and white. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you all have a good week, mm-hmm. and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.